Welcome to The Shepherd's Pie, a slice of hope to raise faithful kids, where we focus on topics that impact young people today. I'm Antony Barone Kolink, but you can call me Tony. I'm a father of five who served in the Air Force for 21 years, and I'm now a law professor and a columnist for Practical Homeschooling Magazine. I'm also the author of The Harwood Mysteries, an exciting medieval fiction series for kids aged 10 and up. Here on The Shepherd's Pie, we want to inform, inspire, help you to raise happy, healthy, faithful kids, whether you're a grandparent, a youth leader, a priest or religious, anyone. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the impact that drama and theater can have on reaching youth. My guest is Catherine Castle a Christian award-winning author and playwright who has written and directed plays for church drama ministries for many years. And in the review segment of the show, I'll be taking a brief look at three popular musicals making their rounds on the Broadway tour circuit this fall. Before getting into our show today, wanted to take a few minutes and address The Shepherd's Pie as a podcast and give a shout out to those who have made this a reality. And they're my family members. I'd like to thank my son, AJ, who has composed all of the original music that you're hearing on this podcast, whether it's the introduction or the transitions, composed and performed them on his digital orchestra. I'd also like to thank my daughter, Amina, who not only was instrumental in coming up with the title of The Shepherd's Pie as our show name, but who designed the logo that you see with the plate and the shepherd's pie and the good shepherd's staff and the Holy Spirit dove on the slice of pie. She was absolutely magnificent with some consulting advice from my wife, Elisa, who I also need to give a shout out to and who has put up with hours and hours of my discussion about this show as we were heading into pre-production. So thank you. I'd also give a shout out to my other daughter, Talia, who also was consulted on the project. Because The Shepherd's Pie is not only intended to be an uplifting show, but also informative and to give you great ideas on dealing with youth and how to reach them today where they're at, I thought it would be great for us to take an episode and look specifically at the issue of drama and theater. I know for myself, when I was growing up, I was involved in several plays, both in middle school and in high school. I played the role of Tony in West Side Story. Uh, Not very well, I don't think, but every summer Throughout my high school years, I was part of these plays that our school would put on with another school in the area. And even all these years later, those are some of my fondest memories of my high school years. It strikes me that we should talk about using drama and theater as a means to reach our youth. And that's why we'll be talking today with Catherine Castle in our upcoming interview segment. I am here today with multi-award winning author Catherine Castle. 
who is actually a romance author and poet and freelance writer by trade. She has over 600 articles and photographs to her credit, um, both in the Christian and the secular market. But I'm really interested to talk to Catherine because she also co-authors fiction, plays, worship skits that they do, uh, her and her husband do at their church as drama ministry leaders. Uh, they've written six books, a musical drama, a whole bunch of worship skits and plays, and even an interactive Christmas production, uh, including a production that went on the radio as a radio drama and eventually inspired one of her award-winning uh, romances. So um, I'm excited to have you on the show today. Welcome, Catherine Castle. Thank you very much, Anthony. I'm, I'm glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about your background. I mean, I know we're going to get into questions about theater and working with youth, but kind of maybe lay the, uh, the groundwork a little bit for us first. Um, I started working as a freelancer back in 1990, and I'm sorry, but that probably tells you how old I am. I had been reading the local newspaper and thought, you know what, I can probably write as good as this person can. So I approached the local newspaper and they said, sure. So I did it. And that's really where I got my start. How does that lead to Christian romance writing? In a quick summary, basically, a Christian romance is a sweet romance that has no open door love scenes. And it also has the element of faith in it, a redemption thread that runs through it. Tell us about your drama roots. Okay, um, back probably in the late 90s, the church I was attending, this, they started a drama group, and I'm kind of a big ham, so it was like, oh yeah, I raised my hand, I'll be in the drama group. She knew that I was a writer, and so she pressed me to write some sketches. So my husband and I did that. And then when the church decided to do a Back to Bethlehem, the Nativity story, which was popular at the time, so they wanted a script of some sort. So again, the director looked at my husband and myself and she said, why don't you two do something? So we, we wrote a script and that's how it was born. We ended up doing a training session, the people in Back to Bethlehem. Have you ever been to Williamsburg, Colonial Williamsburg? Oh, I love Williamsburg. Yeah, we, uh, we lived, I was in the Air Force for 21 years and we were stationed at Langley Air Force Base. So you know how they actually talk and behave, have the mannerisms and the culture of that colonial era. Yes. We took that and decided that we would train the people to behave and act and think and talk as if they were back in the biblical times. So we said no contractions. When I'm writing my, uh, my Harwood Mysteries books, which take place in the Middle Ages, that's one of the devices I use, too, is for my adult characters, I don't let them use any contractions. I mean, I don't know why that does anything. But to me, that made sense to try to make a slight distinction in, in communication. Yes, it, it, it antiquates it. The people went through a mad scientist. Um, I, we didn't do that part. Somebody else was doing that part. They went through a mad scientist time travel machine, and they came out on the other side into the outdoor area with a caravan master who whom we had written into it. They had different shops, and they were hawking their wares, the woman, uh, there was a midwife, and they would come and ask, the shepherds would come and ask the midwife, you know, where was the, where was the baby born in the manger? She didn't know. Wow. And then they would go to the inn, and then they would go through to the, the manger, and on their way out, they would see the wise men. So it was kind of a circuit that they traveled. We had Roman guards who were pushing their way around and shoving the beggar to the ground and things like that. It was very interactive in that regard. And this would go for several months leading up to Christmas? 
We did it. Um, we did it for two weeks, right around Christmas, and we did it for five years. It's an interactive, just free-flowing theater production. It, it was interactive, kind of um, improvisational. There was a scripted story going all the way through, but yet all the other, call them extras, if you would, characters were doing improvisational interaction with the people in the town. It sounds cool. This strikes me as an excellent way, especially for probably younger children, to really get them to experience the Gospels without <laughs> them feeling like they're just having you know, stories read to them. Um, it was kind of intense. Let me tell you one story about this. One night, my husband played Joseph, and he was in the manger with Mary, and we had a very lifelike doll who was playing the part of Jesus. And there was a young boy in there, and he came close, and he looked up, and he said, that's not a live baby. That's a baby doll. Well, my husband took the boy's hand, and he put it underneath the blanket where the baby was wrapped, and they had hot hands in the blanket to keep their hands warm because it was cold. So he put his, put the child's hand under the blanket, and when the child felt the heat, he cried out, Jesus is alive. Now, you talk about impacting a child. That, to us, was something that was extremely impactful. Yeah, and I guess, you know, that's one of the things that fascinates me about drama and theater as a, as a way to even reach youth is it, it gives them that experiential piece that you don't get necessarily from a book. And we're speaking with multi-award winning author Catherine Castle talking about ways to use drama and theater to, to bring the faith to life really for our youth. Why do you think it is that these, this you know, particular type of medium resonates so well with youth? There's something about Seeing live drama that is very impactful. They do a, a lot of watching movies, they watch videos, mm -hmm. but there's something about being a part of a live audience, watching a live performance. It's just a different kind of relationship between you and the person on the stage. L let me tell you another story here. We did a Father's Day sketch with three of our older men, and after, the, after service, when... My husband was clearing the stage of the props. One of the minister's children came up. He's about seven, eight, maybe. And he asked my husband if he could be in a play, too. So we wrote a sketch that included him, and we performed it. And that same day, after church was over, he came back to see us with a friend in tow. The next Sunday, Jacob's sister said, I want to be in a play, too. So just from one child being, well, actually, from him seeing the men up there, he was curious enough and intrigued enough that he wanted to do the same thing. He wanted to be part of it. There's something about being part of drama as, as a youth. Kids, they even like puppets. My best friend and her husband teaching the Sunday school lesson through these, well, just little hand puppets, you know. The kids absolutely loved that. They would come back behind. They wanted to see the puppets. They wanted to talk to the puppets. Again, it's a form of live drama. It seems that you, uh, you know, uh, drama in the good sense follows you from place to place. But 
Is this a popular ministry in churches today, uh, having a drama ministry? And, and is it focused on youth, or is it mostly for adults? Unfortunately, it's not as popular as it was back in the 90s. Drama was very, very big in churches. Somewhere along the way, it fell out of popularity. Okay. I have always felt that that was, that was such a sad thing, because I felt that it spoke to the people, big people, little people you know, adults and children, because I saw that while the church we were attending at the time had a very active drama group, and we did sketches in worship, we did um, sketches for the children, for their children's church, we were involved in a number of those, and we did them on stage for worship, we did drama events, it was very, very popular back in that era, but somewhere along the line, it fell away. I suppose that's partly because it's a lot of work and getting getting people to organize such a thing is probably a fairly large undertaking. Yes. But what if, if, if people listening to this show, looking for reasons or ways that they could try to make a bigger impact on the youth and their churches, you know, what, what words of advice or encouragement might you have for people who hear this and think, oh, maybe this is something cool I should do at my church? It is a lot of work. But the rewards for being in it are just, they're not just at the moment. We have been in Easter dramas, we have been in Christmas dramas, and the impact that those dramas have had on our lives and the lives of the people that we know are, it can be a deep experience. When we were doing Back to Bethlehem, we saw Christmas in a whole new light. Um, Let me give you one more story quick. In the first year that we did our the Lord's Last Passover Supper. It centers around the Last Supper where Jesus institutes communion. The actors would circulate in the um, audience after the play, and one of them overheard someone saying, you know, I now I really know what communion is all about. And for us, if even one person gets the message, it's worth it. And that's really the goal that we go after. Yes, absolutely. And we're speaking with award-winning author and playwright, Catherine Castle, about the impact that drama can have in our lives and on uh, in our youth. And you know, what's interesting is we're talking about it being less popular today, but at the same time as it's being less popular in your churches, what is Disney doing? They're going out and they're producing all these Broadway renditions of their movies. One of my daughters is very into uh, into drama and you know, uh, I realize even uh, where I live, there's a lot of community theater and colleges doing mm-hmm. drama. So, so I don't see why it shouldn't be popular in our churches. Like we should be able to harness that same, that same energy that is going on in other places, shouldn't we? I, I totally agree with you. Um, I think somewhere along the way that the church leadership forgot it was a tool and they began to think of it as entertainment. And they thought, well, you know, maybe we don't need this entertainment. But it's not just entertainment. It, is a te- it can be a teaching tool, an effective manner to teach God's Word. And not only that, and so can... not only are they entertaining, not only are they learning, uh, but they're also building community, aren't they? I mean, did you find that when you would put on a production, that the people who were involved in the production, you know, were sort of more tight-knit after that? Yes. These people become your friends. <laughs> they become your friends. And 
that was the thing that really kind of hurt when our former church dropped their drama group because we had a fairly large group and we were tight. We um, we had parties together. We met together at least once a week. You know, we practiced. We did improvisation. We cared for each other. We helped each other when we prayed for each other when something was wrong, when something had happened in your life. When you shared something, we were there. We were. It was like having a small group, a tight, small group of friends that were there for you. And it's. I think it's. It's a small group that people don't even think about being a small group. You know, a lot of churches now, they're into small groups. You know, we just be a small group of this and a small group of that. But when you work with somebody like that for months on end, you become really good friends and and you care and you support them and you you pray for them. You help them, you know, when they when they need something. And it to me, it's just it's just something that, you know, it's not an easy road. It's hard. Sometimes taking the easy road isn't always the best road. You can, um, you know, pop in a video. You can watch it a bazillion times. You don't have to spend all the time and the energy. But you don't get the electricity, the connection of that person to person on the stage and in the audience. There's something about being in the audience and seeing what people are doing live that can really be electrifying. Conversely, if you're on the stage and you're doing this and you hear the audience reacting to some bit that you've said that's supposed to be funny or something that is supposed to be um, dramatic and there's this silence, you hear it. You know that you're, you're affecting them. You know that they're listening to you. You know that somehow you're touching them. Let me give you one more example of that. This is an adult that this occurred with, and it was in Back to Bethlehem. One night, there's a woman. We don't know who she was. She was just all dressed in black. She came into the manger, and she stood there watching the baby, and she wept. Nobody knows who she was. We don't know what, why she was weeping, but something about being there in that manger looking at what was being portrayed as the Christ child touched her so much that she wept. That is the power of live drama. We're speaking with award-winning author Catherine Castle, uh, who is also a playwright and director of uh, plays, especially in, uh, in her church ministry. And so, you know, the other thing that I guess, uh, when you bring people into a production, as you're describing, you're also taking the kids away from you know, their smartphones and their video games, and you're putting them in situations where they're interacting with real people, where they're, you know, uh, actually being part of the world and, and not, you know, being stuck in front of their media devices. So that's got to be another reason why uh, I think we need to encourage, you know, more churches and more youth groups and more ministries to consider the power of drama when they're thinking of ways to reach youth in their communities. I want to give you a, a minute or two before we close, just to, if people are interested in your writings, uh, in, in either your romance books, or if any of your plays are available, where can they find your material? Well, they can find Catherine Castle. I'm um, on Amazon.com. I have an author page on Amazon.com. My books are on Amazon.com. 
My books are also on uh, in Barnes & Noble. They're available. Um, I have two out right now. One is called The Nun in the Nark. It is an inspirational romantic suspense. It's won two wars and has finaled in a number of contests. The other book is, it's a sweet romance. It's called A Groom for Mama. And that's the one that you mentioned earlier was born out of a radio play. The one that my husband and I wrote for a local contest. It's a story about a mother who's dying. She wants to marry her daughter off before she goes. And she enlists her daughter's ex-boyfriend who owns a dating service to find her daughter a husband. As for our plays, um, currently, if... We don't really have any of those out there. If anybody is interested in purchasing one, they can contact me on my page, Catherine Castle. Great. And I will have a link to your page with the show on my website in case anybody wants to see what you have out there. Uh, Catherine, it has been wonderful speaking with you. And actually, I'm, I'm more energized than ever to want to encourage people, hey, use drama to reach, <laughs> to reach people um, as a medium. Yeah, I mean, I love drama. I love being in it. I love um, watching it. I actually love writing it. I love directing it. I just, I love being with the people. And the fact that we had these three kids, we were just, we were absolutely blown away when these three children came up to us and said, we want to be in a play too. It's like, yes, yes, yes. Yes. Well, great. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for being on the show today. And And thank you for having me. In the entertainment review segment of the show today, I'd like to take a look at three Broadway plays that are currently making their rounds on the Broadway circuit tour. Those plays are Frozen, Hamilton, and Wicked. Any family that enjoyed the Disney movie Frozen and Frozen 2 would, of course, love to take their kids to the Broadway musical Frozen, which really is based on the first movie. We see the story of two sisters, Elsa and Anna, and the beautiful relationship that they have. We see that Elsa is actually the Snow Queen. She has these magical powers to create snow and ice. The story is, of course, based on old fairy tales, but it's mostly based on the Disney movie. And what they've done is they've some of the best songs from the first Frozen movie into the musical, and they've written a few others. This, of course, is a friendly family musical. The Snow Queen Elsa has magical powers, and if any of you have watched Disney's Frozen 2, you know that Disney has connected Elsa's magical powers to nature, religions, and to the elements of the earth. But the original Frozen musical doesn't really get into this, and so parents shouldn't really have to worry about that. So I would recommend Frozen the musical if it comes to your area for kids of all ages. Second Broadway musical making its rounds this season is, of course, Hamilton by Lin-Manuel Miranda that has been popularized mostly because not only does it take a look at American history and our founding fathers in a very unconventional and raw way, but he also has done so by casting minorities in the roles of all of the major characters, the founding fathers, their wives and sisters. While some may find this controversial, I think it's a beautiful thing because it shows that the American dream and American history is for all races and ethnicities. The musical, of course, is filled with many different varieties of music, and it will not be to everyone's musical taste. 
but Miranda does an amazing job with the lyrics and the music. So the story is based on a historical biography of Alexander Hamilton. It really shows us from the beginning of the American Revolution all the way to the end of Alexander Hamilton's life when he was killed in a duel with Aaron Burr. For older teenagers, this would be a great musical to see. I would not recommend this, however, for younger children or even for younger teens. Why is that? Well, there are some explicit lyrics in the musical. They drop the F-bomb several times. There are some very adult situations that are illustrated. For instance, Alexander Hamilton has an affair. Uh, his son, of course, is killed in a duel himself. And that is a very distressing scene when he loses his son and, and sort of the sorrow that comes along with that. There's also explicit references to his womanizing as a younger man. So this is not a musical for little kids. But for especially older teens and adults, this is a great musical, and I would encourage everyone to see it. The third and final play I want to mention is Wicked. Of course, Wicked has been around for quite some time, but it is still making its rounds because it's that popular. And it's the kind of musical that many people would take their kids to because it's based in the same land of Oz that we see in The Wizard of Oz. But this is not The Wizard of Oz. This is not following Dorothy and Toto into Oz. This is a prequel to The Wizard of Oz, where we look at the Wicked Witch of the West, who's named Elphaba, and Glinda, the Good Witch, and we see that society is not what we expected in Oz after watching the movie The Wizard of Oz. We find out that the Wicked Witch is not actually wicked, but she's a political activist who is against a corrupt system represented by Oz, the great and powerful, who it turns out, of course, as we already know, he's a charlatan, but he's not only a charlatan, he's also a bit of a despot who has been overcome with a thirst for power and control in order to maintain his lifestyle. And we find out that Glinda, the good witch, although she has a good heart, she's a bit of an airhead, and she winds up going along with the power structures in order to maintain her position in society. And the real heroine turns out to be the wicked witch, Alphaba, who in fact is protesting injustices in society. So in some ways, it's really a revolutionary kind of a musical that is anti-establishment and will definitely raise some questions that parents might need to discuss with their kids. Of course, the musical is very tastefully done. The songs are wonderful. The choreography is amazing. And the story between Glinda and Elphaba is, is heartwarming. And we do get the idea that, you know, there is good and bad in everyone and we shouldn't judge people too harshly without knowing their full situations. Parents might want to exercise some caution before bringing especially younger kids to this play. That's all the time we have for our show today. I hope you've enjoyed listening to our interview with award-winning author and playwright Catherine Castle as we've discussed how drama and theater can be used to impact our youth. And you heard a brief review of three Broadway plays making their way around the circuit this year, Frozen, Hamilton, and Wicked. Again, this is Anthony Barone Colank, and this has been The Shepherd's Pie. If any of you listening today have a question for me or a topic you'd like us to cover on the show, just drop us a line on my website at antonycolank.com. That's A-N-T-O-N-Y-K-O-L-E-N-C.com.
Also, if you visit my website, you can learn more about my historical fiction series, The Harwood Mysteries. I'll end, as always, with my wife's favorite scripture quote from Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. May the Lord bless and keep you this week.